Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions with your friends and with your family. My name is Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm the Reverend Hannah Wilder, and I'm the curate at St. Mark's in City Heights in San Diego. And Hannah, well, thanks for being here with me again. First of all, Hannah, loving our weekly check-in. Oh, I'm so happy to do it. It's so fun. I love it too. Well, and the thing that I wanted to ask you today, Hannah, is yes, you are the curate at St. Mark's in City Heights, but I think right now you are also wearing a couple of other hats. I am. It's true. I'm here on the Faith to Go podcast covering for David Tremaine while he's on paternity leave. And I'm also covering for the Reverend Mary Lynn Colson while she's on maternity leave. So, you know, it's just a very exciting time in life for all of us. And a lot of juggling for you. You have, I mean, yeah. like you are somebody who juggles a lot of responsibilities in general, um, but you've added two more big ones right now. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. I feel like I'm just masquerading as David and Mary Lynn, which is really fun. They have really <laughs> cool lives, actually. <laughs> I wonder if sometimes we don't appreciate how cool other people think our lives are. I know. I know. I feel really lucky to be able to be a priest and to work in the church and, you know, to walk with people through their highs and lows. And um, so right now, I don't know if I said, but I'm observing at St. Andrews by the Sea in Pacific Beach, which is Mary Lynn's church. And they're just a wonderful group of people. And I'm so happy to be there and to get to know them. Yeah, I think that's so special. And are they worshiping in person or online? They are worshiping in person and online. We have our services out in, in the courtyard outside and everybody wears masks and stays distanced, but then it's also live streamed to their Facebook page. So yeah, it's both. Well, and I like that. I think that one of the blessings of this time, and I use that word moderately, um, is the ingenuity that's come out of all of it. The way we've had to reimagine what it means to be church and and have yeah. church and be flexible with each other. Yeah, and I think that, you know, only a pandemic would have forced the Episcopal Church into all this digital church, you know? <laughs> it's amazing and it's great. And I like that we all do it a little differently. Yeah, too. me too, me too. Well, and I think that maybe that takes us to our God sighting for this week, which I offered to share today. Yeah, but it, yeah. Where did you see God this week, Charlotte? Well, it's nice because I think it's another reflection on church being its best self. And that is, as everybody knows, one of my other hats that I wear is I'm also the director of youth and family at Christ Church in Coronado. And this last Sunday was our annual meeting. And just like everybody else right now, that means it was on Zoom. But we, but prior to that, we had our worship service. And all through the season of Epiphany, we have had the children of the parish reading the Psalms um, during the service. And the young person that read it this week, it was really powerful for me personally, because I've walked with this child for a long time and his family and watched him grow both as a reader and as in confidence, not just in his reading, but in being able to speak in person. And so when I made the ask, I was only 50% thinking that he was going to say yes, that he would do this, that log into Zoom and read to, you know, 75 screens of people. But he did. He said yes, with his grandparents sitting on either side of him. 
and he read beautifully, not perfectly, but that's kind of the beauty of Zoom Church, but he read beautifully. And the part that was so special to me was watching after he finished the chat just be filled with affirmation from him. And not just people who were friends of his family. These were just people who knew the courage it took for him to read and wanted to tell him how well he had done. And you could see his grandparents, because they were now back on mute, you could see his grandparents like being like, oh, look at this one. And, you know, pointing to the screen and whispering in their own little living room as to what was happening. And his smile just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I thought that's what church is supposed to be. Yeah. The way church at its best. (laughs) Yeah. The way we lift each other up. And it just felt like such a big God sighting on the internet. Um, (laughs) God is there too, even though we don't usually think so. Um, But it was just, it was really special. I love that. I love how that speaks to the community, the faith community, really being a community, you know? And loving this kid and supporting him through the chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and, awesome. And maybe a reminder that we should do that as adults for each other too. Imagine yeah. the power of that, of receiving affirmation for doing something. Yeah. yeah. And encouragement and just being each other's cheerleaders. I mean, I think that's the whole point really of what we're doing here is to help each other out through life and yeah. to point the way. Yeah. And um, I just... I would like to share, if it's okay, that I saw God in my friend's love for her dog who Mm -hmm. died last night. And she just walked with her sweet little dog all the way to the end and was waking up every 20 minutes to check on her. And it's just been like over a week of this. And, um, you know, God is with us in those good times and the bad. And I just really saw God in her and her love for her dog. Yeah. I have to say that I really feel that the way we love our animals and the way our animals love us helps me feel closer to God. That's something about that purity. Yeah, I agree. I mean, dogs are closer to God for sure. I think most animals are. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe because there's less ego involved, but I feel like that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. So in just a minute, we will read the gospel and talk about that. But before we get there, um, we want to remind you that we really want to hear from you. We would love to hear about where you saw God this week. Um, We would love to hear if you find a way to offer connection and affirmation to somebody else in your life and and how that felt for you, Um, because you don't get to know how it feels for them. You just get to guess. But we would love to hear about all of those ways that God is moving in your life and where you see God moving in your life. And the way you can do that is you can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can visit our website, myfaithtogo.org, or you can contact us through Instagram. And any of those methods will get you right to us. And we would love to hear all about your life and also what you think of the podcast, what resonates for you, what you agree with. If you felt pushback when you heard us, you check in and let us know. Yeah, hit us up. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Start the conversation. If you got questions, I'm going to make Hannah answer them, though. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Bring it. I know, right? You didn't yeah. know that was your new job, but it is. <laughs> All of that to say, I think that brings us to the gospel for this day. 
So today we are going to read Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9, and that is for the last Sunday after the Epiphany, which will be February 14th. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them any more, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Wow. Thanks, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear it, it just knocks my socks off. I love the transfiguration story. Mm-hmm. And I would love to give a little context, if that's okay. Yes, please. Okay, so this is Mark chapter 9, and this is like right in the middle of the story arc of Mark, and the action is really ramping up. I mean, from here to the crucifixion, it's just like a mad dash. It's just one thing after another, which Mark is always like that, but it's really just, I mean, there's seven more chapters of Mark after this, and it's like amazing thing after amazing thing all the way to the cross. So just a reminder, too, about who Moses and Elijah are. There are two huge figures from Hebrew scripture. Um, Moses is really associated with the law because he is the one who received the law from God on on the Mount Sinai. And um, the first five books of the Bible are considered the law, the Torah. So, um, and then Elijah was one of the greatest prophets. And in Jesus, we see a connection between the two of those. I mean, Jesus Mm -hmm. is considered the embodiment of both the law and the prophets. And so he even says in scripture, you know, I came not to abolish abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. So he's not here to get rid of anything. And, you know, kind of a common misperception I hear in at least the Episcopal churches, oh, that Old Testament, you know, that's old and that doesn't really apply to us. Jesus came and it's all new and different and better. And that's just really not true. I mean, our roots are really in Jewish Hebrew spirituality that's who we are. That's our ancestors of faith. I just think that's a good a good thing to keep in mind as we hear this story. Yeah, and I love that Jesus affirms that because we have a Bible with an Old and a New Testament. We don't get to just read one. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like it there is a temptation to just do that for all of us to cherry pick what speaks to us, but especially every time we hear this about I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. It reminds us that we need the whole thing. We really do. That's a great point. And that's why I love the Episcopal Church or the Anglican way, because it's about being big enough to really accommodate all views and and beliefs. And, you know, we're all one. We're united in prayer. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that that takes us to time to discuss everything that is in this section of scripture. And Hannah, you have our first point today. I do. And I really wanted to talk about how Peter speaks to me in this passage because he's so much like me or I'm like him. You know, he just shows us humanity so well. 
and he's so like adorable you know he's like oh let's build houses and he doesn't want to leave the mountaintop he has this yearning and desire to stay close to this safety of this truth that's just been to reveal him about who Jesus is and he thinks it's so wonderful that it's like okay this is the mountaintop experience this is the end this is the end all be all this is it but it's not you know it's just part of the journey like like I said earlier there's seven more chapters in Mark and if Peter had gotten his way none of Jesus's journey to the cross and everything that happened there and afterwards would have been revealed you know so we just like have to trust that God has so much more in store for us than we can even ask or imagine and to keep moving and to trust. Also just to think about that in terms of ourselves, like what am I preventing myself and others from experiencing or knowing by staying stuck? Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I cut myself off from the possibility of the next moment because I like this present moment so much. It's it's hard. It's hard to keep walking when you feel like, oh, this is so good, or I finally figured it out. You know, and we forget that there really is no figuring it out. There's no such thing as that. But we just want to be safe and stay put, and we cut ourselves off from the potential of what's coming, like the potential for relationship, um, the potential for change and growth. I think that we just could be conscious of the fact that we might be depriving ourselves of those relationships and also the work that God has for us to do in the world when we when we stay stuck and we want to hold on to the present a little too much, you know? Yeah. And I think that as you were talking, Hannah, I flashed back to when my kids were really little. And I was thinking about that temptation as a parent when you when you're like, oh, this this moment, this moment is so perfect. I just I want you to stay this way forever. I just want you to stay as this perfect little bundle of joy forever. And that's not me saying that parenthood is perfect because I (laughs) definitely want to acknowledge the fact that we have all had struggle. Um, But there are those snapshots where you think like, oh, it's going so fast and I don't want it to keep going and I just want to stop it. And, And as parents, the temptation is to like drag ourselves and not be pulled forward with our children. But each time that I let go and let them grow, I was blown away by the magnificence of the next moment. Yeah, yeah. It just gets better and better in a way, and your heart just expands and expands. And when you think it can't grow anymore, it does. It's just incredible. Yeah, it's really special to think about that. Yeah, and I think you're right to bring up parenting because um, we do do that. We do want to, like like capture their their fingerprints and their handprints and their little locks of hair you know it's really such a a natural human thing I think to want to hold on to what we have at the moment yeah and I think maybe that that's part of why we also relate to Peter is because he's so incredibly human um Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about Peter, Charlotte? Yeah. Well, well, that's what I was going to say is, interestingly enough, Hannah and I both picked our points from this same section of the scripture we heard today, but coming at it from slightly different angles or living into it in different ways. And Hannah's, of course, was what we just heard about the power of the mountaintop and wanting to stay there, his, his joyfulness in that glory. And I actually was thinking about when we experience moments of transformation, that it can be scary, that it can be frightening, 
and overwhelming and just too, too much. And so we don't want to feel that way. We don't want to feel uncomfortable and overwhelmed. And so our desire to get back to being comfortable is to find a solution to what we're feeling in that moment. And that's what I hear from Peter in this section is that he's like, oh my goodness, what just happened? This is amazing and I don't know what to do. So I'm going to offer to build you three houses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we know that that was maybe not the direction that Peter was supposed to go, but Peter was going there at 90 miles an hour because he had to get out of this place of uncomfort and back to a place where he felt secure and needed and like he was doing something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's super relatable for me. Absolutely. And I think that it's relatable across many levels, that as human beings, we are very uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that growth and change only comes in the moments when we're willing to sit in our discomfort. Mm-hmm. Because you can't address or change things when you're glossing over them or rushing to a solution that you have decided the re- is the right solution. And yeah. I think that you know, as you know, Hannah, both you and I are involved in sacred ground and we are doing our own work in anti-racism. And that a lot of that work is our willing to address and name areas of discomfort, areas that are very uncomfortable for us, um, that reflect on our privilege and places that we see systemic racism and that we can't just gloss over them or rush through them or pretend they never happened, that we are called to be uncomfortable so that we can journey forward into a more just and more fair world together. Mm -hmm. Amen. And in fact, we cannot get there unless we name that there is racism. It exists. It's alive and well. And that, you know, we feel uncomfortable about all of that, but we have to feel that discomfort in order to get to that place of shalom and justice. We just, we can't, we can't sidestep that. There's no quick, quick fix or cheap grace, you know, we have to do the work. Well, and And it's hard. And in our desire to sidestep, then we discount the incredible hurt and pain and injustice that our Black brothers and sisters have felt for all of these years, everything that has gone on, that we have to be willing to do our part to do better, right? Like, that's the thing, do better. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really good that we talk about this, because I think what I hear from people of color is that white people need to talk to white people about racism, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I think it's good you bring it up. And I have been having so many conversations with people in my parishes about like it's it tends to be older white men who are talking about how they don't understand this term white privilege or white supremacy because you know they grew up poor or they struggled or they may have suffered abuse or degradation and they say I didn't experience any privilege you know and so it's just like listening compassionately and um empathizing and understanding yeah like you did struggle and the color of your skin didn't add to your struggles, whereas it did for other people, for non-white people. And that's just something, it doesn't negate that you struggled. It's not that, it's just saying the color of your skin wasn't another 
piece of that struggle. Right. And I think that, you know, taking it back to the gospel, that that's what I see in this section with Peter was that he got scared and overwhelmed and was so uncomfortable that he jumped to like, how can I fix it? How can I change it? Where can I go where I don't have to feel like this anymore? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, his um, desire to build those three houses, I think of it as like, I'm going to put this in a little box that I can understand, (laughs) you know, three little boxes, (laughs) Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And it's like, we do that, you know, we try to like, tame it down and and like encapsulate it because we're just trying to understand. He's had this amazing, like mind blowing vision and experience, right? And he's trying in a very human way to put it in a box. (laughs) Yeah, nobody puts Jesus in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that that takes us to our third shared point, um, which I believe you were going to start for us, Hannah. Sure. Yeah. I just, you know, this, it's like this idea that we can't stay on the mountaintop. We must return to the valley where God's people need us and where God needs us to be. And that is getting outside of our comfort zone. You know, maybe we're having this glorious mountaintop exit experience and we resist change but you know we're called to follow Jesus and sometimes that means we follow Jesus uphill and sometimes we go downhill and um that that following Jesus it's never been something that we signed up for because it was supposed to be easy you know Mm -hmm. Jesus called us into change and growth and prayer and service and learning and that can be scary but you know we're always being being transfigured and transformed and we're always on a path forward um and it's it's just more real like to, it's it's crazy to think that we can always stay in these relationships with people and that pe- people will never change and relationships will never change and si- situations will never change um and i just think that you know one of the most painful things that we do to ourselves as human beings is to like attempt to live outside reality by thinking that nothing's ever going to change. And I think that one of the things I think is so interesting about this is that, you know, we we think about Jesus coming down from the mountaintop and them going with him. And I can't help but think about the church and how we are so comfortable in our pews with our beautiful stained glass windows and the music and the beautiful prayers and all of those things. And then there was a global pandemic and none of us can be in our buildings and we are forced to go down the mountain and out into the world and be the church on Zoom and the internet and the grocery store and all of those things that none of us saw coming. Church was what happened on Sunday inside the building. And, you know, even though we knew in our hearts that that's not what it meant to be the church, that our lived reality now is that that is not what it means to be the church. And then it happened in like a week. It was like one week we were open and the next week we were closed. And it's like, boom, figure it out. (laughs) Right. Well, and then it's just been this ongoing and constant evolution for all of us, right? Like each time we think we've got it figured out, um, we are reminded that we have control over nothing and (laughs) that we have to just offer each other grace with technology and be willing to walk together. And that is what discipleship looks like to me, being willing to walk with others, to follow Jesus together, to learn learn and to grow. And we had to come out of the building and and go be the church the same way that they had to come down the mountain and, and keep continuing the work. 
Yeah, and to know that in through it all, we are God's beloved in whom God is well pleased. And, you know, we're doing our best and we're struggling and failing all over the place. But you know what? We are God's beloved. So hang on to that this week. <laughs> hang on to that this week, my friends. And so yeah. on that note, that is three points. We have done it yet again. Um, the, the first was the Reverend Hannah Wilders, um, which spoke to the humanity of Peter and his desire to stay in this glorious experience up on the mountaintop. And then we went into mine, the second point, um, which was the other side of Peter and his fear and worry and uncomfortable feelings leading him to jump into action where maybe that wasn't exactly what he needed to do in that time. And then the reminder that ultimately, no matter what we do, our third and shared point was that we are on this journey with Christ. And sometimes that is uphill and sometimes that is downhill. Sometimes it is in church buildings. Sometimes it is out on the street. And often lately, it is right here on the internet. <laughs> right here on faith to go on your podcast that's right in your ears as we speak yeah. <laughs> and so friends we commend to you if you've enjoyed our conversation today to go back and read this gospel it is mark chapter 9 verses 2 through 9 um, utilize the resources on the website send us an email with your thoughts and where you saw god this week because we do we want to be on this journey together and with it and to walk together and to learn together so let us know where you are experiencing god and and how this gospel resonated for you which side of peter did you see yeah we want to hear from you and until next week we say goodbye everybody goodbye everybody (laughs) over and out over and out (laughs) 